Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be. This is Snapshots in Hockey History. And welcome to another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History, where we relive the hockey highlight reel. My name is Brett Small. This is your first time coming by. Welcome. If you're joining us again, always good to have you back. Snapshots in Hockey History is a listener-supported podcast brought to you free of charge every single Monday and Thursday at 8 a.m. I will never ask you for a dollar out of your pocket for this podcast. But if you want to do something nice, you want to do us a favor, help spread the word, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes, share on social media, tell a friend. We're really trying to grow the show. Uh, A lot of good interviews coming up, and I want to thank everyone for following us on social media. I think we're almost up to around 2,000 people on Facebook so far that are following. So uh, glad to see that uh, things are catching on. I'm going to keep this intro really, really short because as you guys know, I'm still moving and next week is Thanksgiving. We're actually moving the day after Thanksgiving. So I don't know if there's going to be an episode or not next week. We might take next week off, um, but I'll keep everyone posted on social media and on Facebook about that. But in the meantime, we've got part two of our interview with Tim Taylor just to review part one. Tim kind of gave us the inside scoop on the buildup to the Colorado-Detroit Red Wings rivalry. And when I think about that and I go back, that really was the perfect storm to kind of to kind of make for the perfect drama when you think about Patrick Waugh getting traded from the Montreal Canadiens after playing in a game against the Detroit Red Wings. You also talk about Claude Lemieux, who the prior season played for the New Jersey Devils, the team that knocked the Detroit Red Wings out of the finals. Really, everything kind of came together for this rivalry. And it's it's kind of neat when you look back and think about this one. And Tim even touches on it. I don't know if we'll ever have another rivalry like this again in the NHL. Just everything lined up perfectly for it. In part two, we actually get into reviewing the entire series as well as the aftermath. We talk about the Chris Draper hit and so much more. So enjoy part two of our interview with Tim Taylor about the 1996 Western Conference Finals where the Colorado Avalanche played the Detroit Red Wings. Going back to games one and two, though, you lost both games at home and you're quoted in the Detroit Free Press saying we had them on the ropes in the third period and in the overtime fatigue was no factor. We should be well enough to play long hockey games this time of the season. We had a couple of real good chances near the end and just didn't capitalize and they capitalized on theirs. I feel like, you know, overtime game, you guys must have been right there. You get back to the locker room after the first game and. As you said, you've got to be full of emotions. And, and and by this point, are you guys, I know you're not tired, but are you physically drained? I mean, I know Iserman went out that game. Konstantinov headed yeah. to the locker room during that game. You've got to be somewhere like physically drained. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, it, 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 it's emotionally, it, it goes on, on one end to another for when you're playing a series like that. Like, because you win that game, some of that game, if you win in overtime, you feel good about yourselves and say, oh, okay, we escaped when we have the next game at home, we got to be really ready. Where them, on the other hand, oh, we just had that and we blew it, and now how? Now we have to get that split. We had it in our hands, we didn't get it. Now, so the pressure mounts on both teams, one way or another. So for us now, Colorado's a little bit more loosey. They've got that first game. Now they got thinking that now Stevie Y is out for the next game. You know, they've got a team that won sixty games. Thinking now, where where we never had to think before. We just went out and played, and, and it was easy. We, no matter what, we would come up with a win. But this team, this team was there for the dogfight, and uh, you know they were really well prepared, physically, emotionally, and knowing what they had to do to beat us. And, and uh, they at that one up with that first game, it changes everything in the series for both teams. It seemed like their strategy was just to hit, hit, 
and hit again because Detroit had some smaller forwards. And I also know that they were kind of, they had one guy four checking and then four people on the blue line. So it was almost, they were playing like a trap system. It was almost impossible to penetrate. I know Scotty Bowman was really big on the left wing lock. And you talked about adjustments that you guys had to make. Did you guys continue to play with the left wing lock or what adjustments? Oh, yeah, yeah. We played that left wing lock. We weren't going to get away from that. But they, again, they, I mean, we lost one of our best players and they had two real good players with Lemieux and the prior year, Lemieux was the MVP against us in, in the, uh, in the playoffs and, and beat us in the Stanley Cup finals. And now he's with them. And again, he was scoring at a pretty good pace, especially on the power play. Joe Sackick had an unbelievable, uh, playoff. Um, whenever he got the puck, he crossed the blue line with that wrist shot. He, it seemed like he was scoring from everywhere. So, again, we, we were on our heels a little bit because, you know, we never really had to worry about stopping the puck. It was always about how many goals we were going to get. And at this point, they were so determined. They, they had us rattled, and, and uh, they played they played extremely well and extremely hard. When you look at what Stanley, winning Stanley Cup is all about, when you have to go through the trials and tribulations and the hard knocks, they were ready for everything we threw at them. And, and not only that, they came back at us with more. So the press comes out, and of course, they've got to blame somebody, and a lot of the brunt of it is taken by Sergei Fedorov and Keith Primo. I know you played on a line with Keith. I think you guys are probably around similar age. How do you deal with that when the press is coming out, and Keith did not have the greatest playoff run that season, especially after the prior year, where he was unbelievable? Yeah, and you know what? You try and protect your guys, because it's just it's a team you know when, when a team is playing well the goalie is usually stopping everything and then when the team's not the goalie can't he's not stopping anything so same thing with, with, with goal scoring and playing defense when things are going well as a team your goal scorers are scoring and it just happens to go in when they're not everyone's struggling so if we're not scoring then someone else should have scored I should have scored or McCarty should have scored or Draper should have scored you know we, we always played well as a team and it was the one thing with us that the other than the real top guys, there was a lot of like the, the grinders or the guys that, that score a lot, but we had a lot of notoriety because we're on that team. So again, there was a, it, it wasn't just because a couple guys didn't score, you know, because we'd won games all through the whole year guys scoring. So we need that in the playoffs and we just didn't get that. Transition over to game three. You guys go to Denver. Fedorov bounces back, has four assists. What did you guys do differently this game that you didn't do in the prior two games? Well, you know what? Now, it, again, the pressure's on us that we have to go in there, but they also the pressure is on them too. Be like, oh shit, okay, we've got them up two nothing. We've won both their games, and now they're expected to win at home. And we came in and we played really well. We played a real dominant game right from the opening face up. We were determined. We knew what we had to do, and, and we stuck with our with our game plan. We didn't deter. The emotions of of the series didn't let, didn't bother us. We well just played the game hard and and won the game. Yeah, and our team was our backs against our wall, and, and we brought our best foot forward. And the game kind of goes off the ice as well. Slava Kozlov hits Adam Foot from behind and smears his face into the glass, and a couple shifts later, Claude Lemieux just decks Kozlov. Lemieux gets thrown out of the game and then gets a one-game suspension, and after the game, Scotty Bowman confronts Claude Lemieux in the parking lot. Do you recall the off-ice antics and... Yeah, I do. I do. That was it. Was it, it, we, both teams that started the hatred was was really going at that point. Obviously, we knew, and, and no disrespect to Florida because that's who they who called out and playing in the finals. But whoever was winning that series was probably going to win yeah, the Stanley Cup. And we both knew it. Both teams knew it. So, you know, we were giving everything that we had, and, and, and the emotions were, were playing the the best of both teams. Thought he was not happy with what what Claude did. He felt there was a hockey play with Kozlov, but what Claude did was not. 
But again, it was the emotions of the game and the emotions of being off the ice too and the hatred we had for one another. Now we see the guys and, you know, I see Adam Foot around all the time and I couldn't stand him. I could not stand looking at him. And now I could see him and, and, and hi, how are you doing? And, and the respect that we have and seeing those guys off the ice now and the, because the hatred is so intense, I've never, I've never experienced any of that in my life uh, until that series and then going, moving forward. But, it started, it started in game three and four and, and, and escalated. The two are going back and forth still, Scotty, and now Mark Crawford get, gets involved. He says, yeah. Scotty Bowman is notorious for taking incidental factors and trying to create a lot of controversy. Scotty's a great thinker, but he thinks so much that the plate in his head causes interference in our headsets during the game. Kind of a cheap shot talking about Scotty Bowman's background. As a team, and you personally, does that fire you guys up or is that more of a distraction? No, it fires you up. Like it, players say, don't read stuff, but they everyone reads stuff. Especially you know now, you can't get away from it. But yeah, we we were we're involved in that. And and again, you got to respect where Mark came from because he's protecting his his team. And then we respect Scotty because he's protecting us. So it was just it was basically two teams that absolutely hate each other that were going to try to get the best of any one of any one of their players uh, as most as they could or any any chance they could. So, you know, Scotty's always had that intelligence of getting in the other team's head and, and also into a referee's head and, and letting him know that stuff is going on out there that he doesn't like. He was notorious at doing that and, and helping our cause. So, again, his, I think his process was trying to, to motivate our team and, and get them thinking a little bit. Mark's response was trying to let his team know that he was behind him and, and he's not going to stand for it. And how was your relationship with Scotty? I had a great relationship with Scotty. Uh, Scotty was really good to us young players. You know, as long as you played hard and played under that, that left wing block, you were going to play. And uh, he was, you know, I always felt that he was such a well-respected coach. But, and but I felt that off day, he was even he was a really good person. Um, I got to know him a little bit. Uh, we were doing some uh, some stuff with that direct TV uh, cards for him, and I got to know him a little better. And, and he was driving home on on weekends or t- times we had off to see his son back in Buffalo. But I got to know the other side of Scotty more so than, I guess, a lot of players before him did. I know Dave Hannerchuk had him on the hurt when he's early, and so he's really hard on him. But I did. I told Dave when I went to Tampa, I never saw that in Scotty. I always saw a very kind man and a guy, if you worked hard, that you were going to play. Game four, you guys yeah. lose four to two. Um, yeah. Bowman says the team just played bad and needed to play 20% better. Do you remember what kind of any memories of that game? Yeah, I knew it was a close game throughout the game, and we did, we always were, had to seem like we're coming back in the game. We were all, we fell behind and we were, we were clawing back, we, but we just didn't have enough to, to push forward in that game. I think they scored right off the face off that really killed us. Might have been started second or started third, um, but they came out and they were more determined themselves. They knew that uh, they had to win that game or put us right back in the series. And, and they they played a real smart game and a real hard game, and, and uh, we just and not that we didn't have enough. I thought we played a pretty good game there. We just didn't have enough to, to win that game. And, and you know, you got to give credit to a team that, that plays well and, and really matches what you have. Claude Lemieux before game five taunts Chris Osgood by saying he doesn't belong on the ice. And I know that's just Claude Lemieux being Claude Lemieux. But I feel like all these years later, Chris Osgood, numerous Stanley Cups, was a very good goaltender, still not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Do you feel that he has a place there? Yeah, yeah, I do. 
you know, he was a, a, a he's got over 400 wins, I believe. So I, I eventually, I think that his name will be brought up. But I just feel that he never got the respect and, and he never got the same attention that the Walls got and the Hashik Scott. And I, I just was curious your opinion yeah. on that. Well, I, I think that people's perception is, is that he played for the Detroit Red Wings and, and if he played some other teams. But we know as, as a player that we, that we gave up a lot of really good chances. And there's a lot of goalies that came before him that everyone said, oh, if Detroit just had a goalie, they would they'd be real good. They'd make that next step. Well, it wasn't until we got Chris Ogden and Mike Vernon that we didn't make that next step. So you, know, you got to give it, like, there has to be some credibility when a guy has four on wins with the Detroit Red Wings. Was there ever any thought of putting Mike Vernon in on this series, especially now that you're down, I think it's three to one? No, because I don't think that uh, when we, Chris Osgood was an all-star that year, mm-hmm. um, and there wasn't one game where where he didn't play well. It was it was basically, you know, close games and, and Colorado pulled out at the end. So um, I don't think there was any chance that, that uh, we're going the other way that year. Game five comes back. You guys yeah. win five to two. Fedorov, Larionov, and Kozlov all score during this game. And... You know, I, I think now it's we need to get to this game six. And actually, I had the opportunity to watch this back this week. And you guys are up against the wall. How do you feel going into this game? Well, you know, again, so years later, I, I was in this position, and all you have to do is win that one game. You win that one game six, and we had just in the year prior, or that same year, had done it against St. Louis in St. Louis. We lost game five with this one, we won, but we still had to win a game six on the road. So I think that we felt that since we went there, we won one of the two so far, we could go in there and win, win this game. And, and again, we, we just needed uh, our best foot forward. We need a break here or there. Um, but if we remember that game again, we fell behind and we're, we just we didn't have enough. When you fall behind a team that plays so well defensively and had Patrick Waugh playing like he did, it's, it's a real tough hill to climb. Early on in the game, Joe Sackick fires a shot at Osgood, and it's, uh, it's an offsides call, and he fires a shot after the whistle. And... There wasn't a scrum or anything from everyone's reaction it, and from watching it on TV. It looks like that building had to be just rocking. Up until that point, had you experienced an atmosphere like that? It was a smaller building, right? So people right. Were, on, were on top of you a little bit more. I think it was 15,000 could sit in there. It was a very loud building. They, they had the, uh, that avalanche siren going and all. It was a whiteout, I believe, too. So um, it was an intimidating building. But at the same time, you know what? In the playoffs, I, I think you're so motivated that, that, that when you get to a rink like that, you're, you don't worry about where you are. Um, it, it's the intensity of the game that, that brings you up to that next level. And, and uh, we, we, we were just, they were a good team. It's not like that we lost to a bad team and we didn't all play well. I think our team played pretty well. We were just up against the hot goalie and a couple of really good scorers and a team that was very, very determined. And the team that really ultimately won the Stanley Cup that deserved to win the Stanley Cup. And Patrick Wall was hot throughout this entire Game 7. He yeah. makes some incredible saves in the first period. And the Avs go up one nothing. But, you know, with five minutes left or so in the first period, Draper's getting ready to go onto the bench. And Claude Lemieux smacks him from behind. And he basically crushes his face up against the bench. From yeah. he, did, he did crush his face. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was horrific. Darren McCarty says he heard a pop when his face hit the, the boards. What was your and the, the team's reaction when you see that? Are you thinking, oh my God. I was halfway down. I, I remember I remember the play, uh, like it was yesterday, I remember the play, I was, I was sitting about halfway down the bench and, and Drapes was coming off and then Claude hit him, cross from behind. And when he went flying headfirst into that dasher, he, he just crumbled. He crumbled. And, and right away, you don't know how, how injured he is. You're hoping it's not bad. 
But I think the first reaction, you're looking around and you're trying to find where Claude is, and you're yelling at the ref, that's five, that's five. And then, but you turn and, and drapes his blood all the way down the boards and on the ice. Uh, at that point now, you're, you're just thinking, oh, shit, what is going on? What happened? Right. And, and you saw the play, but you didn't exactly see him, his face going into the boards like that. And uh, um, I remember uh, going back to the dress room after the period was over, and in that dress room was a smaller dress room, and the trainer's table was right in the middle of the dress room almost. And, and Chris, the doctor, was in there looking at him, and, and uh, uh, he was – Going in and out of conscious, uh, he would he would be out and then he'd be back in. And, and I remember Dean saying, "Hey, great, y'all set to go? Yeah, yeah, I'll be out there. So let me finish up you there." And, and then he passed out again. And he was in and out constantly. And, and uh, we knew at that point that it was really bad. But what kind of heart? I mean, how much heart does that guy have? Here he is knocked out. Hey, I'm ready to go back. And then basically unconscious. It's, it was like an instinct. It was like he was ready to go no matter what. Yeah, he was, and and that's that's the type of player he's always been. He exemplified what a Red Wing logo is all about. Um, his perseverance and work ethic were second to no one on that team. Um, he was just, uh, he was, and really, really, he's a really good guy. And, uh, you know, we all obviously wanted to win. Um, but at some point, I think in all of our back of our minds, it, it was the Stanley Cup was on the line, but there was going to be payback at one point. Whenever uh, it, it was coming, so, uh, someone was going to take advantage of it. So it was pretty much understood after that first period. At some point, you know, we've got to punish Claude for doing this. Well, yeah, and remember he got kicked out of the game, so right, right. he got five. So he so he wasn't involved in the game anymore. So that settled that down. But still, the Stanley Cup was on the line, and and uh, but it's still the back of your mind. And quite honestly, I think everyone would say they would say just as, as we would say that that you know years to come that that someone was going to get him, and and we all y'all wanted to be honest. You're you're looking at each other, thinking I'm going to get him at some point. Some point there's going to be a chance. Second period starts up, and it's tied 1-1. Bill McCreary was refing this game. What was your relationship like with Bill McCreary over the years? I, I understand a lot of people respect him as an official. Yeah. It's a bit, uh, you know, when the game uh, got tougher, he let the, the play dictate what was going to happen. He didn't interfere with it at all. He was a, a referee. He was a hard-nosed referee. And uh, if you respect him on the ice, he respected you. He was one of those veteran referees that knew that to stay out of the way and let the game play itself out. They come back, they score two more goals, the game ends 4-1, to one. Claude Lemieux changes, comes out in his street clothes, and goes down the uh, the line and shakes everyone's hand. And after the game, you get in the locker room, what is the feeling in that locker room? I know you guys are upset, you're probably also worried about drapes. Can you kind of look back and remember what was in your mind at that time? Well, you know, we're demoralized, and you know, we just lost, and again, at at the forefront is to try and win the Stanley Cup. And so when you when you are out, you are officially out by losing that game you're in the dressing room and, and your heads are down and you're so close. You're, you're probably two games away from really competing and, and going for the, the, the Cup and, and knowing they moved on. And then you let the, the emotions of the series get the best of you as you're thinking about it. And, you know, I remember Dino Cicerelli yelling at himself, I can't believe I shook his hand. I can't believe I shook his hand. That not point forward. I think everyone, you know, and anyone, and not to say they, they were thinking the same thing. There was plays in the series that we did too, you know, from the cross checks we did mm-hmm. to the elbows and stuff. So they felt that not only that did we feel hatred over that one play and to the team, they felt that towards us too because there was a lot of stuff that we did as well. I think you said it. You put it perfectly. I know Darren McCarty was quoted as saying in the Detroit Free Press, "This is our passion. We got our hearts torn out tonight." And I think that summarizes kind of this series. But the good news is it would not end here. You would go on to have an unbelievable career. You'd win a couple Stanley Cups. 
But just to kind of, before we close things out, I know you played with Dino Cicerelli and we touched on him a little bit. Who were some of your favorite guys that you played with over the years? Was he in that that group? Because he's a wild man. He must have been hysterical. Oh, you know, I, I had the luxury, like honestly, to play in Detroit and play with all those Hall of Fame guys, from from Paul Coffey to, to Nick Lidstrom to Stevie Y to, to Dino Cicerelli to Ray Shepard. I mean, Bob Rouse was a was a, a, a very good player. Mike Ramsey, Mike Vernon, Chris Osgood, and obviously the young guys with with Lapointe, um, Draper, Osgood, McCarty. Joey Kosher, we we had such um, I'm missing guys, but I, I just we had such a good nucleus of players, and and, and again, I, I was a lot of luxury playing two teams, and, and these two teams have something in common, not just winning the Stanley Cup, but the, the admiration and uh, um, the heart that they have for each other, and that's why they win. I, I guess if you look back and why Colorado had won their three Stanley Cups, or two, or I think they won three Stanley Cups why they've won too because that nuclear stayed together and the, the passion they have for each other and playing with each other that's why you win it, it's a hundred percent why you win the stanley cup i can only imagine the team dinners as just being such an experience and uh, side note to all this when you walked in the locker room the first time and you see paul coffee you see steve eiserman you know these guys are going to the hall of fame is that intimidating at all well, you know what? What else is intimidating is walking in the Red Wing locker room and you see Gordy Howe, you yeah. see Ted Lindsay sit able. You know that that's intimidating. The bronze, those bronze statues, uh, figurations around that. That's the most intim- intimidating part is walking in there, knowing that these players before you, the history, the the walkers that pay for for these current players. Um, that's intimidating. Uh, when, you, when you walk in and play, and, and you're obviously Stevie Y and Paul Coffey and, and, and players like their stature, um, their players are playing that day with you. So that those games are you. So again, yes, you are a little bit nervous, but it, it's not to the to the aspect of, of going by those Hall of Famers with the, the bronze statues on the wall. After the game, I, I forgot to mention this. Claude Lemieux was interviewed and says it's unfortunate that Draper got hurt, but was surprised that he got ejected. Did his nonchalant attitude just add fuel to the fire? No, you know what? Because at the end of the day, again, I I, I deal with Claude a lot now. Um, you got to respect. Again, we hated him for so many years, but right. at the end of the day, you got to respect what he's trying to do for his team and just playing hard. And you don't want to see that. And and again, you know, lots of stuff went into that thing too. He's hoping not to get suspended even more. He was hoping that you know it, it would just kind of that would play it'd be it'd be over. But as you know, that was, that play didn't end there. It escalated in something in the historical in the NHL and something you probably never see again. I, you know, Montreal and Quebec used to have that hatred when they played in the playoffs, but I don't think I've ever seen anything. I've never witnessed anything in all the big playoffs I've been in. Nothing like Detroit and Colorado, even the regular season games. And when I left, uh, when I went to Boston, I watched those games on ESPN and I still had that hatred. I would call our guys uh, call back teammates and say, "Come on, do it tonight. Get do something tonight. Make sure you guys win tonight." You know, I whenever they played, even the playoffs, but with another team, I was always wanting our guys to win just because that hatred stuck with me, and I felt that even when I went to Boston, we played Colorado. I think second, third game of the season the next year, and I was like, I just had I I, I feel the emotions in, in in me from Detroit, and I felt that like our guys like, why well, why are you so up with this game? Like they didn't understand that the emotions were coming out from my Detroit days. And I don't want you to trash anybody when I ask this, but was there somebody, I mean, of course, Claude Lemieux, but was there somebody on Detroit that just every game got under your skin where you just, you wanted to, that butt in? Colorado? Uh, On Colorado, I'm sorry, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what, I... There's probably only one guy that would eliminate from that, which is Joe Sackett. He was too nice of a guy. <laughs> um, 
But I think it's probably everyone everyone else. You know, you you just had that hatred for them, and and now that the utmost respect for them as you get to know them and uh, off the ice, and knowing that that they were trying to to they took something away that you wanted desperately, and 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 you were trying to take something away that they wanted desperately, and, and we all grew up wanting to win the Stanley Cup, and you know only one team's going to win it. So you've got to do anything you can to try and win that Stanley Cup. So you have to respect that fact from from every team that's won. Tim, this was awesome. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your night. Before I go, what, oh, what, are, no you, problem. what are you up to nowadays? I know you're working with the St. Louis Blues. You know, what's your yeah, day to- I'm director of player development. Yeah, director of player development form, so I look after all young players as soon as they're drafted. Uh, they come into uh, my department, and uh, I've got a couple guys working with me now. I've hired a goalie coach, and I've got uh, Glenn Wesley working with me on the D side. Uh, and I've hired a skating instructor and a uh, uh, trainer to uh, go test all our young players so um my department has grown since i've got the job in 2011 and now i don't like doug armstrong said let's try it for years see if they like it now i can't imagine not doing it i absolutely love it being involved get to see all these ex players um get the dealings with club and me as an agent now get the deal through <laughs> him um, with the players so yeah it, it's a full circle but uh, i absolutely love what i'm doing that I still can't believe it's been 22 years since this rivalry started and was in full swing. And I can't thank Tim Taylor enough for coming on and giving us kind of the inside scoop on everything. And is anybody else not surprised that Tim is the director of player development for a team in the National Hockey League? He seems like the type of guy that would just be an awesome role model and somebody that you'd want to emulate your career after if you're an NHL player. Anyways, that's it for this week in Snapshots in Hockey History. Sorry the intro and the outro were a little short. Got a lot going on. Also have an interview coming up for tomorrow for the show. I think everybody will be very pleased about that one, especially if you're a Vancouver Canucks fan. Anyways, have a great one. And as I mentioned before, not sure if we're going to do a Thanksgiving episode or not next week. So stay tuned on social media to see what we're going to do about that. Anyways, as always, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week or the following week on Snapshots in Hockey History.